The Indiana Pacers get the sixth pick of the the NBA lottery. Is there on what 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 is that? The twenty the twenty third of June, I, I think that's it. Or I should say the draft on the twenty third. This was the lottery where they got the sixth pick. They still cannot get the number one, no matter what happens in their life. The question is. Uh, does this even matter to how you rebuild uh, this team? Is Rick Carlisle uh, the coach to rebuild this team? Is Pritchard the guy who knows how to rebuild this team? Do the Pacers have the elements in place to be able to start to figure out what a future is? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, what's going on, everybody? JMV joins us right now from 93.5107.5 The Fan. You will catch us on race day from the Indianapolis Motor Speedway starting at 5 a.m. We start at 5. The cannon goes off at 6. I wet my pants at 6.01. And then we continue the coverage of the pre-race. Talk to me, uh, JMV, uh, number six pick, uh, finally something that, that looks somewhat respectable in terms of picks. We usually do very, very poorly as a team, but does any of it matter? By the way, you wetting your pants on race day is like a tradition now, yes. which I think is very special. Um, and I'm glad we're a part of it. I'm happy to be a part of it. No, um, it, it does. And, and here's why. Here's a couple of different reasons. Uh, they had 10.5% in chance to get up in the top four. And you know, there hadn't been enough good fortune around here, at least longer-lasting good fortune, to think that that was ever going to occur. So you ask a really couple of good questions as you brought me on here. One is, will it matter? They can find a piece that will matter. You might get lucky and just find a you know, talent like Shaden Sharp, for example, who's got you know all these attributes of athleticism, but you just haven't seen him play other than like YouTube videos because he goes to Kentucky and, and never did play because of eligibility situations. Um, so you, you can take a chance on a guy like that, or this is me here, and I don't know if he's going to be available at six, but we saw a guy in Iowa all season long like Keegan Murray who to me fits perfectly for this Pacer team. They need athleticism on the wing. They need shooting on the wing. He may not be the greatest athlete in this draft, but he certainly has athleticism. He can certainly shoot. And Tony, he's ready-made, I believe, to make a difference early. And this is key right here, and here's why I say it. you got a fan base right now that kind of look past the fact that the Pacers were just dreadfully awful this year. 25 wins. Now, this same Pacer fan base who probably doesn't dig on paying $20 a month ultimately to even watch the Pacers play because of, you know, how, you know, Bally Sports Entertainment and all that works ultimately uh, to get the Pacers to your, all the NBA teams, to their fan base out there television-wise. I just don't know how long this fan base is going to hang around for a rebuild. To me, you have to expedite this process. You have to make it as quickly as possible to get back up to where there's hope for the postseason and show signs of a significant rebuild. And to me, a guy like Keegan Murray does that. Shaden Sharp could have the longer term. Maybe you're passing up on somebody's athleticism that's just going to you know, kind of blow the roof off of everything. But to me, a guy like Keegan Murray – that has shown it and I think is ready-made for the NBA. If he is available at number six, that should be your pick. And I think you're well back on track and hopefully ahead of time back on track to get the fans interested, to keep the fans interested, and make your product a hell of a lot better. The people over there at CBS Sports uh, on their draft prospect rankings have uh, Keegan Murray at number eight. 
So to their mathematics, he would still uh, be available. Uh, they've got Ty Ty Washington Jr. from Kentucky in the sixth place. But let's talk homegrown products, right? Jaden Ivey. Purdue, yeah. uh, uh, position rank, uh, his rank is number one. There's, there's no chance he's there when we're there? I would doubt it, Tony. I, I do. Now, here's, here's, that's the interesting thing. He is, to me, kind of like I mentioned Shaden Sharp, uh, the, the Kentucky kind of Kentucky product that there's a lot of unknown. We know a great deal about Jaden Ivey, and I like Jaden Ivey a great deal. I think he's also going to be – a longer-term situation, but, man, his athleticism is eye-popping. There's no doubt about that. I just don't happen to think he's going to be there at number six. I think that's going to be sketchy. So here's what we're looking at right now. Depending upon what Orlando sees at number one or what deals may occur or whatever, we're talking about Jabari Smith, big man, uh, outside shooter, very versatile dude out of Auburn, near at the top. You got Powell Bancaro out of Duke, who I think is actually the best, most ready-made player in the draft right now, who's also going to be somewhere in the top three. Chet Holmgren, who is one of those unicorn-esque type of products, is a seven-foot big man that has a skill set, can handle, do a lot of different things. But he would, to me, he would be more of a long-term project. I think if you have a long-term rebuild, you'd like to do it. If you want to put somebody in there right now to be ready-made to play in the NBA, I don't quite think he's, he's ready for that right now. Then you're probably talking about Jaden Ivey and then Keegan Murray. Johnny Davis from Wisconsin is also in there as well. And then uh, Mathura and the kid from Arizona who goes about six foot seven and is a volume scorer. All these guys, probably seven to eight, are – in there in whatever order you want to look at it. But I don't think Jaden Ivey is going to be available at number six. That's why I just like the ready-made product. I believe that Keegan Murray is right now. People view him as non-spectacular, but heck with that. To me, it's a valuable pick if you get somebody right now that not only can transition in the short term to help your team out, but also is in the long term to better this product. And to me, if he's available, that's your pick at number six. So let's talk about uh, the people making the, these picks. Uh, Kevin Pritchard, I, I don't hear bad words about him. I don't pe- hear people talking smack uh, about him. Rick Carlisle, uh, the, the coach who was just brought in last year, it was certainly an, uh, a forgettable season, to, to say the least. Uh, is this the one-two punch that can put together a team in a mid-sized market like ours, or would we be considered a small market, that can actually compete for playoffs year in and year out? Hey, Tony, that's a big question right here, honestly. And this is why this draft, this pick, what they do in this offseason is so critical. You know, not just for the makeup of the team and getting back into that winning quality of a type of organization that people want them to be, but, you know, you've got a team president and Kevin Pritchard. You've got a general manager in Chad Buchanan and Rick Carlisle, who gets paid in the upper echelon of NBA coaches, and he gets paid to win certainly more than, than 25 games. Here's what's interesting, and I will allow you to think about this for a moment. You watch the Dallas Mavericks, who are now in the Western Conference Finals, game one against Golden State later on tonight. Uh, They kind of ended things at the end of the Carlisle tenure there, um, a real mess. They were a mess. Clearly, they needed a new voice. They got that new voice in Jason Kidd, which I think would beg the question, and this is a fair question, if – it was more the coaching of Rick Carlisle or just the voice of Rick Carlisle as to why Dallas was, for example, a year ago, uh, certainly compared to where they are now in the final four teams of the NBA and challenging maybe to go to the NBA finals. What was the big difference there? And was any of that with Carlisle's 
coaching. Maybe unfair to say, but certainly not unfair to ask, given the consequences of what's taking place in Dallas. And, you know, a 25-win team here in Indiana that frankly looked better with first-year disastrous coach Nate Bjorgren a year ago than they did with Rick Carlisle last year. We're not answering the question. Maybe I'm asking it the wrong way. Who is on the hot seat if this is a team that doesn't go to the playoffs this year, regardless of who they pick at number six? Kevin. Kevin is, Kevin is on the hot seat, but I will tell you this, Tony. I think, to me, before Kevin Pritchard gets fired, for example, I think Kevin Pritchard steps away. I don't know how long-term. He may dispute this if he hears about it, whatever. I don't know how long-term. Kevin Pritchard is as far as this is concerned. But I think to answer your question firmly, if it came down to, all right, we want somebody else to lead the team and you're not it, or if Rick Carlisle wants to do both head coaching and, you know, make the player personnel decisions, you know, hypothetically, if that were to occur, I, I think Kevin would step away from it before he would ultimately get fired. They would have some sort of mutual agreement. That's not meaning he doesn't want to do it right now. He does want to do it right now, but I don't think he would ever get Fired, I think it would want to be one of those things where I'm just going to step away from it altogether. So, again, is he on the hot seat? Yeah, there's no doubt this is a critical pick, but I don't think it's going to come down to him getting fired. I think he would walk away before that. Talking to JMV from 93.5 and 107.5, uh, the fan. Uh, getting off uh, basketball just for a moment, we'll move it uh, to the Indianapolis 500. Yes, you and I do the pre-race coverage out there on Pagoda Plaza. I am just starting to, you know, now that the, the GMR is over, the, the practice sessions ha- have begun. The GMR Grand Prix is over. Practice sessions have begun. Kumasato doing uh, some great running uh, yesterday. Uh I'm trying to start to get a, a feel for where we are uh, in 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 this race, and 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 the the base feeling. The first thing that, that comes to mind is I'm really sorry that we don't have a bump. I'm sorry we only got 33. Although I'm glad we have 33 in 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 the field. Um, this whole uh, I am not getting a whiff of anybody saying you know what this is our moment. This is our year. The car's running great. We've got the team. There's like a bunch of people feeling pretty good about what's coming down the line and, and where they're going to be for race day. No, that's an actual point. Here's something we'll be talking about, I'm assuming, depending upon how he qualifies coming up this weekend. But the story of Jimmy Johnson's amazing. He's a seven-time Cup Series champion who goes all the way down to the bottom in IndyCar after stepping away from NASCAR all the way to the bottom and is trying to build it up he actually, Tony, in this month of May, in qualifying, in this race, he has an opportunity. He hadn't had the opportunity. But, I mean, you really haven't, when any race that we've talked about with Jimmy Johnson involved, you hadn't had the opportunity. You haven't felt he had it there, but he does have it there. And that would beg the question, let's just say, for example, hypothetically between you and I and all your listeners right now, if you were to win this, I mean, that to me, that is comparable to what, for example, Michael Jordan did, where he stepped away from the Bulls stepped away from an NBA career where he was it and then went down to double-A, tried to come up with a White Sox in baseball. I mean, went down, rode buses, grinded it out. He had a lot of money, more money than everybody else. But that, to me, would be amazing along those lines. So I think that's the story that we need to be talking about is, all right, if this is Jimmy Johnson's year, how would we, if he ended up winning that, where would we put that on a pedestal? And that that is a, a significant deal. There's no doubt about it. So storyline-wise, 
I think, Tony, you and I will be talking about that a great deal coming up a week from Sunday. But, you're, you know, it's it, you, you bring him up, and I, I think that's, that, that's a good point, but it's sometimes, you know, you hear, you know, like last year, I, I can remember earlier talk about Ed Carpenter, and I, I think I'd picked Ed Carpenter to take it last year. I, I was wrong, uh, of course. Uh, but there was there was... There were stories, there was movement, there was buzz. I'm not hearing anything other than, yeah, we're ready. Like, like it's, I don't know if, if things are really quiet or everybody's just feeling super pumped about the idea that we're going to have a full capacity crowd at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And there's just because of that, because of normalcy, there is an excitement that's raising everybody to this high. Tony, that's certainly a storyline. I mean, you can start a week from Friday on Carb Day. That thing's been out of here for two years because of the COVID situation, and it's back full bore, and they're going to have a Carb Day. I think they're going to have a Carb Day that's similar to the 100th running when Journey was out there, and they had like 75,000 people watching not Steve Perry sing lead for Journey. They're not going to 75K, but you're right. The, the return to normalcy, they're going to have some numbers on race day that will approach the 100th running. Remember when they had to go ahead and shut the ticket sales down and they lifted the blackout and you could watch it locally television-wise because they just didn't want to sell any more tickets. I don't think it's going to come to that, but it's going to be near that. So yeah, the top storyline is that return to normalcy. A full crowd, everybody's out there, you're back to what you know this whole month, this whole race to be, and that is, no doubt, the big story. But I, I think you speak to maybe something larger on race day, which is something else we'll get into, is it seems like there's a lot of drivers that have a chance. And you know what I mean? There's a lot of drivers. This is, feels yes, as even that, that's exactly as it has it. felt in a long time. And I think that that is also a significant storyline you and I I'll be chatting about coming up on race day. It seems like there are a lot of drivers out there that have a real chance to win this. I've already got the cigars selected. I will be sans scarf, so you will not get to see uh, the scarf. Um, but I, 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 I am, I am ready. I am ready for for the early morning cigar, and then the start of show cigar, then the midday cigar, then the end of show cigar, and then the race cigar. I, I'm all set. I know you are. I, I, I count on you being all set. I'm doing. I, I do on one of our sister stations here, the FM music station. I'm doing like an all-night, all-request party, and then I'm rolling out there to be with you. Look at you. Look at you. That? JMV from 93.5 and 107.5, the fan, 3 to 6 p.m. Be sure to check him out. I appreciate you, JMV. More coming up. I'm Tony Katz. So Congress actually did it. They held hearings yesterday about UFOs. Aw, man, I had that all queued up and everything. I ruined it. I apologize. See, wouldn't have been better if it had just flowed. Amateur cats. Amateur Pentagon officials did not disclose additional information from their ongoing investigations, but they said they had picked the director for a new task force to coordinate data collection efforts on what the government officially labels unidentified aerial phenomena. I want to make sure I'm clear about two things, if, if, if I may, two very important things. Number one... 
I'm putting it down. I'm saying it clearly. We are not alone in the universe. We're not alone. I'm okay with this. I am fine with this. Do I think that the aliens are super scary? Well, no. But I would ask, what would they think of us? And I think we have the possibility of being extremely scary. So therefore, I don't know. And and, and secondly, uh, I'm not losing any sleep over it. If they want to make contact, they will. If they don't want to make contact, dude, I get it. You're shy. That's cool. We know we're there. We don't have to run into each other. Honestly, we don't have to attend the same parties. It's all okay. But there's there's no... And, and I understand I'm not conspiratorial about anything. I don't have a conspiratorial bone in my body. I'm just saying that it's impossible impossible to think for a second that we're the only intelligent life in the universe and yes th- these run-ins that these the, the these planes have that people have do i believe in bigfoot no producer all right uh, let me say that clearly bigfoot is not real uh i'm up in the air really on bigfoot i i think it's plausible you think that Bigfoot is plausible? Yeah, I mean, sure. I wouldn't bet money on it, but it's plausible. Same as the Loch Ness Monster. Is it plausible? Sure. I ain't why, betting. why are we doing this at the end of the show? This should have been the whole show. I, you could convince me of anything. I can? With enough proof. It's Bigfoot. What proof? I don't know. I've read some stuff. Have some theories. I can vault. Tomorrow, everyone. It's my fault. I brought it up. Take care.